betting preview podcast from pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Show, a pregame.com podcast. I'm Marco D'Angelo, your host, joined by Vegas Runner. We're going to discuss Western Conference Finals, LA Lakers, Phoenix Suns. Now, we're taping on Thursday, so Game 5 is being played tonight. We're going to set the stage, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what to expect possibly in Game 5, and then moving forward We're for Game 6. Definitely going to get a Game 6. Definitely <laughs> going to get a Game 6. The question will be, you know, Who's where will be. 3-2 and who could close it out? Absolutely. VR, you know, there's been a, a total turnaround sure. in the playoffs. Um, you know, we went through the last round, three of the four series, 4-0 four and o sweeps. We open up the conference finals. 2-0, 2-0. 2-0, 3 0 and, you know, then it's game three for the Lakers series. Looked like we were looking at a repeat. It looks like we were going to go to the NBA Finals with two teams rolling in on, you know, eight-game winning streaks. And it's not happening. No. No, Phoenix definitely turned this around when they went back home. And uh, more importantly, they seem confident now. Because when they left L.A., they were anything but confident. I mean, you know, even their star players weren't vocal. Where now you're hearing Amari, you know, stepping up. And you're hearing guys, you know, talking a little more. Well, Stoudemire just got ripped. I mean, everybody ripped him for the first two games. And to his credit, he showed up. In game three, absolutely putting you know putting down forty two points. I mean, he was a man child in that game. Absolutely, um, but uh, you know, going forward from that in game three, like you said, they left L.A. not you know with confidence, you know, a little bit shaken. But really, I don't know how you looked at the two games in L.A. Phoenix played. I felt okay, except they'd have that one crucial stretch in the game where the Lakers made the run and extended the game because game one, Lakers shoot 62% from the floor first half and yet only took a seven-point lead into the locker room. Exactly, and that's what we talked about in last week's podcast, that when a team was hitting shots like the Lakers were, and they ended that game shooting 57, 58% from the field. I mean, they were shooting 50, 55% from the three-point line in, in both games combined average. When a team's shooting like that, it's very hard to beat them, especially on their own floor, and especially when home teams seem to be getting all the calls go their way. What I was more impressed about Phoenix was how they weren't afraid to change the way they were going to beat the Lakers. In other words, what we're doing is not working, fellas. Now, we could either stick to what we're doing and see if we could change it, the outcome, or change what we're doing to change the outcome. And they switched from the man-to-man coverage to the zone defense, and the Lakers had no answers. I mean, I was surprised more in Game 4, because Game 3 was a surprise. And in today's NBA, you don't expect to see zone coverage from 
you know, start to finish. And you definitely don't expect to see it in the playoffs. I don't remember any playoffs where teams played zone defense throughout an entire game. I don't know if you do. I don't remember ever hearing about that. Um, and in fact, they just instituted a few years ago that you could play zone defense right. in the NBA. So, I mean, it's unheard of. So I could see the Lakers getting caught off guard in game three. Suns defending their home court, you know, getting that one win. That wasn't surprising to me. Game four was more surprising. I had the Phoenix Suns in game four. So I'm not saying I, I didn't see that happening. But I was surprised at how the Lakers still had no answers to attack that zone. Players were nowhere to be found in position. Uh, they weren't able to swing the ball around. They weren't able to penetrate to try to break the zone. It seemed like they had no answers, and they were getting frustrated with each other. And what's interesting is tonight, is the chemistry going to be back for the Lakers, or are they going to be as confused as they were in Game 3 and 4 and start playing the blame game? Well, here, here's my take on things. Let's backtrack for a second in moving from Game 3 to Game 4. The public listens to the announcers. And the announcers, you know, they talk. The talking heads on TV after the game, they talk. All that was talked about after Game 3 was the disparity in foul shots yeah. for the Suns. So everybody looks and, you know, they say, all right, you know, the, the NBA got Phoenix the win. You know, the referees got them the win, 19 extra foul shots. That was the difference in the ball game. Lakers are going to win Game 4. Phoenix wins Game 3. They open up. As a one and a half, two point favorite in Game Three, it's, it went went to a, a pick on on that game. But then moving to Game Four, oh, yeah, they make the Lakers the favorite. Yeah, okay, the public buys in, drives the Lakers to, to two point favorite. Yeah, and at one point it was even two and a half here in town at stations. As soon as I saw it pop to two and a half. I grabbed, you know, I grabbed it at two and a half at, at stations. But it's a situation that the public just fell in love with what they saw. And nobody expected Phoenix to win game four. Phoenix came out, they played their game because they got confidence in game one. That's the thing I say all the time. doesn't matter how you win. I love teams that win ugly because there's value in that team in the next yeah, game. Yeah, of course, of course. Because the public looks at it and they say, ah, oh, that was a lucky win. Yeah. They shouldn't have won. If they play like that again, they're not going to get the win. Right. And there was great value there. They evened the series. And the other point that you made is the Lakers didn't didn't make any adjustments. Nothing. They didn't know what was coming and, and they didn't know how to adjust to it. Again, that goes back to the theory of, you know, the zigzag and revenge type things. The team that everything's going right, what do you change? The team that it's not going right, that's the team that's got to make the adjustments. And they were willing to. All the, We don't see teams do that all the time. Some teams, you know what, they say, we're going to stick to what we do. Like in football, we're going to run, we're going to yeah. run, we're going to run. Sometimes... You go up against a defensive line and linebackers that you can't run against. So, you know, why keep hitting your head against the wall? You know, bite your pride and switch it up. And, and I think Phoenix did that. And I think it was the Lakers whose ego got the best of them. 
as if, okay, they just surprised us in game three. We know what to do. We'll be fine. They were even joking, you know, when they when they went to Kobe's locker room and or after at the press conference and they asked him about the zone and he started saying, "Oh, I don't know what we're going to do now." Yeah. You know, oh, we're done. We're finished. Yeah. That's, you know, his exact words were, "We're finished." So I think their ego got in the way of. We don't have to worry about that zone. They caught us on surprise. They were at home. They got to the line 40, 50 times. Refs gave them the game. Let's get them. And the Suns brought it in game four again. So I'm interested to see tonight. Tonight's game is so huge. All game fives are pivotal when you're tied 2-2. But... The, the team that wins Game 5 goes on to win, exactly. game, win the series. And I'm interested as far as from a betting perspective, because for us, this point spread is the great equalizer. You could win the series and not cover another game the rest right. of the way. On how Phil Jackson and the L.A. Lakers approach it and what kind of adjustments did they make. Because if they come out tonight and make a statement game and blow Phoenix away, then they got their confidence back. If Phoenix makes a game of it, now they travel back, back home. home. They think they could take it to seven games, and the Lakers are going to have to bring their A game big time in well, Phoenix. You, you know, I'm a situational handicapper, and obviously, I, you know, I can't say what the situation is going to be sure. here. But if tonight's game plays out a certain way, Marco's going to have a monster play come Game Six. If the right thing happens tonight. So you're, are you hoping for a blowout tonight or a close game? Can't tell you that. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh-huh. so, I, I can a blowout by who? Okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll set it up. And, uh, no, it's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, any way you look at it, if Phoenix wins tonight outright, then they could close it out at home and all the okay. pressure's on the Lakers. Okay. If the Lakers win tonight, then it sets up. Do you really want a game seven? Yeah. Do you want to give this chance, this team, an opportunity? So, I mean, that's awesome, man. It's a great game. Got to wrap it up. Enjoy the uh, Western Conference Finals. He's Vegas runner. I'm Marco D'Angelo. Remember, you can always check out all of our podcasts at iTunes. Just search for pregame.com. You can download and listen at any time. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with another segment. Once again, we're here to look at the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics, Magic, and VR, there were reports everywhere that the Magic were dead. Yeah. Dead. Fakes. It, it was an erroneous rumor. They're that, not. Yeah, that it all began with they just may be the best team out of the four left to... They're fake, they're done, they're soft, they don't deserve to be there anyway. We're looking at Boston Lakers, that's historical. And now all of a sudden, we're looking at the possible first team in NBA history to come back from down 3 nothing. And that is a perfect example of how quickly public perception changes. If you could just go into our forum... Oh, and go a week back and go day by day at the posts and read. It'll give you a... That's like, I mean, Perception 101, it should be called, of how quickly we change our opinions and how the market has to keep up and how the odds makers have to keep up. Because we do, from one day to the next, people change their opinion totally. There were posts after the Game 3 blowout when Boston went up 3 nothing in convincing fashion and yes I had 
the Orlando Magic that got blown out. I'll, I'll admit it. I did. I you think know? I had them that game. I didn't get four to. I, I won with them in game four. I used the total in game four and one, but. There were people after that game that literally went into the forums and said the line on game four would be minus 11. Yeah, yeah. Minus 11, and it, it was still close and, it, it, and it was still a steal at minus 11. Yeah, yeah. That how Magic could they, done. How could they only be seven? Magic dead. Finished. Done. Soft. Counterfeit. Phonies. Rest in peace. Need Turkaloo. Yeah. No Turkaloo, yeah. that's the difference. Vince Carter. Bum. Terrible bum. Choke artist. And speaking of choke, um, we got to give a coupon away. Let's do it and now. Let's since, do it now. Since, and it was a great, you know, since, you know, we said the word. Well, no choke for the magic, and they're making a series of this. Um, we're going to go with the coupon this week. No choke 10. All one word. No choke in the number 10. You go to pregame pros. You want to buy something? Put that coupon code in your shopping cart, $10 off. Love it. Love it. In VR, if there's a $10 pack, if there's a pick for $10, and they use that coupon, what's it cost them? Not a penny. You won't see anything appear on your card. No Zero. Debt, nothing. I think no I bill collectors coming after you. I think I heard RJ crying in the background. Yeah. You know, but, uh, Push the $15 pick. <laughs> but no choke 10 gets you $10 off. Back to the Celtics. Now... Magic. It's are the Lakers? I mean, are, are Boston going to choke? Because the pressure's on them right now. Oh, absolutely. I, let's tell it like it is right now. It's all on them. Biggest reason they don't have the home court advantage in a game seven. So it's closeout, or you're in a lot of trouble. It, it's it, not a must win, but no, it's as close. It's as close it, to yeah, it as you it's can not get. A must win, especially because uh, until yesterday, seven of the ten. Last times these two met, the road team has won. So the road team's shown they could win when these two teams meet up. Mm -hmm. But with that said, when you're up 3 nothing, the last thing you want is a game seven on the road. Oh. You know, because if anything, you got a team that's now confident, all the pressure's <clears throat> on you, and they have to perform on the road with the possibility of going against the crowd, going against the refs, and going against the confident team. That's a position you don't want to be in, especially when you're as old as the uh, Boston is and you're not getting rest no more. When we're in the conference finals right now, you're not getting this late three days to rest. That was yesterday. I used the over yesterday. Great and pick. It, it, great, great pick. And by the way, we're taping on Thursday, so game six will be played Friday night. But I talked to you in the afternoon. I, I told love you. your reasoning. It wasn't even the fact that I love how, I mean, we, we disagree with our trap talk, <laughs> but I, I love your reasoning, and it made perfect sense as far as the, you know, they barely got over last time, and it went to overtime to get there, and everyone saw it. That reasoning was excellent, but you took it a step further, and I'll let you explain that because that made me bet it. I'm not going to lie. The situation was with the Celtics. They are a veteran team, of old veteran yeah, yeah, team. Yeah. So far in the playoffs, the Boston Celtics, when they had to travel, because the first two rounds, the NBA spreads this oh, stuff yeah, out yeah. so you far. You not play game two for four days. The Celtics had more than one day rest on travel days until the entire playoffs until yesterday's game. They played Monday, a game that went to overtime, then had to travel to Orlando for Wednesday night. That was the first time they played with only one day rest. 
I have been a big proponent, and you agree with me. Now, a lot of people disagree with this thinking, but I have always said... I agree. Tired teams do not play defense. I agree. Because it takes more energy to play defense than it does to play offense. Exactly. And not just that. These guys... If you don't have a hand in their face, what people don't realize is, if you've ever gone before a game starts and watch an NBA shoot around, these guys don't miss. Swish. Yeah, swish, it's not swish. like me and you, you know, going yeah, to the break, playground break, and taking clank, shots. Clank. These guys, if you don't have a hand in their face or an elbow, they're not going to miss a jumper. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's exactly what we saw. And more evidence of how tired they were to play defense. When, when Rondo got the ball, and went in transition, he was the only one at the other end of the floor. And more times than not, he was forced into making an ugly layup shot or having to dish it out because he had to wait for everyone else to come up court. And you're right, because they are one of the older teams. And that's going to be a problem. And now they don't get, they have to play again tomorrow. If there is a game seven, it's two days after that. So the rest is gone for them. They got to realize that right now. You know, you got to lay it out there. You're not going to get rest. And I think that could also be a problem if they make the finals for this Boston team because they are the older team unlike, you know, especially Orlando. if they're especially if they're stretched to 7. Exactly. If they when have to go on the road when they got to go on the road and win an emotional game set, they need to get it done on Friday. Can they do it? I don't know about you, but I was a little bit shocked at what the number came out. Yeah. Um, now shocked? The, you're saying you thought it would be a little higher? I thought it would be a little higher because me too. Uh, you me know too. Me too. Boston. Me too. You know they dominated Game Three. I think Game Four. Most people think they came in there cocky, they thinking did. that the Magic was just going to roll and over and even die. Even then, they could have. They could have won the game. Exactly. With playing their worst game. In the all, they had the opportunity, and they still had a chance to to put it away right there. They had to get the overtime to lose it. So you're right. I was a little shy. I mean, uh, confused on that number. But then I started looking at the perception, and the perception is this Orlando team may be the first to do this. And what's funny is. Everybody's now talking. Orlando's believing it. Exactly. And I think it's getting in the Boston players' heads because they just witnessed the Boston Bruins do the same thing. And how did that happen? Game four, Flyers took them to overtime, scored an OT, and won won three straight games after that. And now we're looking at Orlando, stole one in OT, and here they have a chance to do it to them again. But with all things said, when I you know I talk about lines and, and different things, game three when they were coming back and it was you know they were up two nothing must win for Orlando blah 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 the line was three and we thought you know thought that was low then it right. moved to three and a half they blew them out then game four the line was seven so. How do you come back, back here? To, yeah. How do you come back to three? How is it not somewhere between three but not that's seven? I, honestly, that's what I thought. I thought they'd bring it around the five range because people could tease it down to where they just have to win or tease it up to just about double digits for Orlando. So that'll probably balance the money. I don't think three is going to get them balanced, Marco. No. Hey, we're out of time. It's going to be a great series. Uh, look for an exciting game Friday Can't night. Wait. Should be a war in, in Boston. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with another segment. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com.
We're going to talk some NBA news. The big story, you know, other than the NBA playoffs right now, is where's LeBron James going to go? Uh, we're going to talk about it. I think what's occurred this week, to me, solidifies that LeBron James is going to be back in Cleveland next year. I didn't think it was going to happen this whole time, especially after you know the exit of the playoffs. I thought, that's it. He didn't even make the conference finals. He's had enough. It's time to go. I think he's staying. Um, your thoughts? Uh, your, your reasoning made sense, and you kind of made me change my mind because I'm going to tell you the truth. I thought he was gone, too. If anything, I thought the criticism he got was even uh, easier for him to leave town with and all that that broke out with Delonte West. And I think that was reason enough and, if anything, an escape for him, you know, where you guys chased me out of town. I didn't mm-hmm. want to leave. You guys chased me out. All I keep reading about is how I failed in, in the playoffs. So I think he had a bad door to leave. But you make sense in, as far as they kept every piece of, of the Cleveland Cavs except that head coach. Yeah, now if you haven't been following along this week, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers went ahead as expected and fired Mike Brown. Um, I can't say for sure, but I really don't think there was a great chemistry no, between I, I LeBron and, and Mike Brown. And I also think that the organization knew that LeBron's shortcomings isn't on the defensive end. Anyone that sees the guy travel the length of a floor to run him down a guard and block his shot knows this kid plays defense. And Brown's a defensive coach through and through. And what the criticism was, where's the offense? There's no offense in Cleveland. And I think they need to bring a piece in, you know, that's going to spark the offense. I think if they bring the right offensive-minded coach, that might be incentive enough to keep LeBron there. You know? But the market, once this season ends, the free agency market is going to be so huge. And listening to Dwayne Wade, what he was saying is he expects this group of players, the stars, the LeBrons, the Wade, the Bosch, you know, all these guys to get together and discuss their future because there's going to be a competition for paychecks. Mm-hmm. And they all know each other. And they don't want that to be a distraction. They don't want that, you know, to stop anyone from doing something. And I think that's that's what they're talking about. That this core group, because this is pretty much, um, you know, a first for you know where this many stars are going to be available. Well, I mean, think back to when this crop came in. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, this crop had Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, you know, LeBron James. In in any other year, I mean, Chris Bosh, you know, it's right, got right, better right, when he right, got right. to the NBA. But in any other year, if these guys came into the league in three separate years, yeah. they would have been number one, 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 one Yeah, But they were all in the same, you know, the same year. I think that there's two schools of thought to LeBron. There's LeBron, the basketball player. There's LeBron, the marketing machine. Okay. There's no question if it's LeBron, the basketball player, the most money he's going to get anywhere is in if he stays in Cleveland. They ha- they're in the position with salary cap and everything because their the whole budget's been around LeBron to start with for him to stay there. 
he's going to get the biggest payday there. But there's no question he can make way more money endorsement in endorsement money in a, a, a city like New York, New York, New York LA. New York, yeah. yeah. It, it's so, a Russian billionaire. It, it's which do you want? Um, LeBron has seemed to always be a, a loyal type guy. He's an Ohio guy. You know, to, to win it for that city would just be incredible. And, I mean, there's also the fear of him leaving. You know, are you going to be another Charles Barkley? Never got it done. Right. You know, who, who you know, tried with one team like he did with the Sixers forever, couldn't do it, went to Phoenix, right. got to the playoffs with them, but couldn't get it done. Right. You know, and, and there's that fear in his career, I think, as well. The best fit right now, everyone's saying, is the Bulls. They got the young talent. You know, it, it's uh, with after Jordan and, and that era, it's got the name, you know, and it's got the history. And there's a need for him there. And that team, he could take them to a, a, it, a higher a, level because of their youth. And that's what everyone's saying. He's a good fit there. But, if you go to Ego, though. Yeah. Okay. If he goes to, Cle- goes to Chicago and brings them back to prominence, to right. championships... If he wins one, that's great. He brought him back. But then, well, Jordan won Yeah, how many? Yeah, yeah. And he didn't do it on his own. He went there with, you know, roses so the, there. And, you know, does it, you know, does he want to live in the shadow? I mean, he gets compared, you know, there's comparisons all the time. Greatest player since Michael Jordan, blah, blah, blah. Does he want to go to his, you know... A place where you're going to constantly be compared to Jordan. And if you don't get it done, that's the pressure there. It's like, then it's, you're not good as... as No one could ever bring you in the same sentence with Michael anymore. Because Michael got it done. You didn't get it done. But the thing that people always fail to realize is, he's a young kid still. I mean, LeBron... He's 25 years old. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. There's a lot he could do. And I think it's at this age where players are more thinking about their legacy. Mm-hmm. When they're older, they've already done that. Now it's not as much about the legacy, and it's more for themselves. Let me get a ring. If they didn't do the right things with their money, let me get that last big paycheck. Right now for LeBron, it's still about his legacy. Everything, everything's in the future. But exactly. you know what? If he, if he stays in Cleveland and he manages to get that ring in Cleveland, one, he's a god forever. In, in Cleveland. Uh, we got a couple minutes left here. Uh, he's a god forever in Cleveland. Never have to leave the city. He can have businesses, whatever he wants there. He's going to be royalty for the rest of his life. But it's Cleveland. But it, it, it is Cleveland. But it, I don't it's mean his home. Have... But it is his home. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah you're it, right. It is his you're home. Right. There, there's, there, there's some mystique you're right. to that doing the home thing i mean you know no no i i get it i totally but get i it. think if he if he pulls it off in that small market oh, the big mar- the big market you know the media is still always there you can go market wherever you want yeah when you're that when you have that huge of a name you, you can you know i mean it, I mean, Indianapolis is not a metropolis. No, exactly. And, and Peyton Manning is the most recognizable exactly. name exactly. in the NFL. It's not like you're sending them off to, if you know, if they're in Canada somewhere, you know, like Bosch was up in Toronto. Right. You know, and you're not, what are you going to do? You ain't going to hear about him in the States as much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now. You know, if you, if you want to bet on where he's going, 
You're I'm, saying he's staying, huh? I, I'm saying right now he's oh. he's staying. Wow, I, I, you you just about convinced me, Marco. You know, there's, there's one other. There's he's one other. Test the waters, though. How could you not, as a human being, I, I, say, I, I you think know, he's going to I think he's going to toy with them. But when it's said and done, I think he's going to sign with the Cavs. And one other thing that people forget, and we have to wrap this up. Remember. He put in for a number change for his uniform. Right, right, right. If he went to another team, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Because you're changing teams. So it's a given that you... It's a, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a new uniform anyways. But if you're staying with the same team, you have to file for the change early. Some inside information from Marco D'Angelo. So, I mean, I he did that definitely keeping the door open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he loves where he's at. Let's tell it like it is. But at that age, you, I think that you want to, if you're the, you want to test the waters, man. You want people it's to go. That's what I'm saying. You want them to wave money at you, brother. I, we'll see what happens. I say he stays in Cleveland. Go to New Jersey. <laughs> Thanks for watching. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit PregameLines.com. We're going to talk about a topic that's hot right now. NBA playoff time. A lot of criticism about the referees. That Some of these games, the old, i got to throw it out there, the NBA conspiracy theory that the games are fixed. And anytime you say the word NBA. And fixed. And fixed. There's only one word, well, two words that come to mind. One person. VR, what are those two words? Timmy D, baby. Tim Donahue, the <laughs> accused and convicted NBA referee who tampered with outcomes of NBA games for betting purposes. That's just not right. He did it. He admitted it. And he's going as far as saying... It's still happening today. Not the fixing part. Not, okay, maybe it is the fixing part, but not the betting scandal part. In other words, what he's saying is that the NBA higher up is still pushing referees into the direction that's in the best interest of the NBA. In other words, it's in the best interest of the NBA for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals not to end in 4 nothing sweeps. Not enough commercials, not enough interest. I mean, let's just tell it like it is. If both of them teams, L.A. swept and Boston swept, even though L.A. Boston Finals is intriguing and interesting. That's the most popular matchup of the four. If it it comes. still would have went down as these we were lost worst, a lot of worst playoffs in history. Now, I have seen enough of these NBA playoffs to say what Tim Donahue's saying has some substance. And I don't think it's an exaggeration. I don't think it's far-fetched. And the numbers support it. I mean, how can anyone who watched games one and two of LA Phoenix and then watched games three and four tell me that the referees didn't help Phoenix get to the free throw line? How can anyone who watched yesterday's Game 5 in Orlando tell me that the referees didn't help Orlando by putting two fouls on three stars in the first quarter for the Boston Celtics? 
immediately. I mean, they that dictated the game immediately within the first quarter. Now, I'm not saying these guys are betting on the game. What I am saying, and I agree with Tim Donahue, is that the NBA, like he says, he stated in his book, he stays, sticks by it, has a commissioner for every series. And what happens is the commissioner sits with the crew before the game, the day of the game, and shows them tape of the last game. And what he points out is what they missed. And he gives them advice as far as this guy... You weren't calling these elbows. You weren't calling these travels. Every first step's a travel. So by breaking down the film with the referees, this commissioner's more or less putting in their minds what he thinks is going on or what should be happening. Because let's tell like it is. I could tell you that's a foul. I could tell you it's not a foul. We're all, we all could call it different. So, I mean, if, I, if I'm your boss and I keep telling you, you got to call this, you got to call that, you're going to go out there and you're going to call it that way. And the way I tell you to call it is going to help one team and hurt the other. That's the bottom line. Now, what I disagree with is that during the regular season, it's as huge. And that's why I agree with the guys. I'm from back there. He went to Cardinal O'Hara. If I remember right, that's on Sproul Road. Like I know the group he bet into. These it's the same group in Philly. Everybody knows. It's no secret. You know who was betting and booking his action. Word is they didn't want his other plays. They wanted his fixed plays. And he claims he was a seventy percent handicapper anyway. That Did, part didn't, I, didn't he have gambling debt? Exactly. See, here's what I'm trying to say. He wasn't able to pick an NBA winner by looking at the officiating crew during the regular season because there's no incentive. There's no... The officiating crew, that many games, 72 games in a, in a year, there's so, me, so many meaningless games. Absolutely. But I do... That's why I think he wasn't able to pick successfully and beat the books on those games trying to do it with the referees. But in the playoffs, it's a different story because everything's... more scrutiny. Everything's magnified, exactly. And, like he said, somebody's telling them what they're not doing right. So if you go out there the next day, you want to do what they told you to do right. And if you got to call them for one team, that's what you're going to do. Well, an interesting part to this is this would actually back the zigzag theory. Because, let's face it, if they're pointing something out, that means either you were calling the game too tight or you were calling it too loose. Exactly. So if they're telling you to adjust to that, exactly. that's going to play right into the zigzag. And that's why for so many years... For so many years, it worked so well. And now with the internet, that kind of information's out there. Now it's just not a group of wise guys that's caught on to it, saw it, and they're taking advantage of it. Now it's so widespread that I think even the, the NBA or even the odds makers, whoever is factoring that in. So the edge isn't there as much as it used to be. Back in the day when it was more secretive, no one knew that this was what's going on. You were able to take advantage. The zigzag was working like free money, baby. Yeah. So that I, it supports everything this man's saying. I believe him, to be honest with you. I haven't seen mm -hmm. anything to say he's talking, you know, bullshit. I think that there's merit to a lot of what he's saying, but I think he's putting a little bit of icing sure, on it. Sure, of course. And let's not forget, okay, Here's a guy that's convicted 
Of course. You know, a, you know, a, a felony, uh, you know, fixing games and betting on the games. He was convicted, served time. He's now out of jail. Not going to be a great commodity. Yeah, not for somebody the guy that I want is my character witness okay, if I'm at his so, trial. Okay, well, here's a guy that's now, you know, he's never going to work in sports again. That's for sure. You know, what's he doing right now? Pushing his book. He's sure. pushing his book. He's on a book tour. So, uh, you know, he, he's going to he's going to give the nuggets that are going to you know get people's interest you know get people looking and they're going to run and buy the book. There's no question. What I gotta say and I gotta give the guy credit and I'm telling you during the regular season I wouldn't follow his picks based on refereeing. Maybe the tendencies and over unders and things like that he might have a, uh, he does obviously has a lot better insight than I would have because he knows these guys. But with that said. In the NBA playoffs, he's proven this by giving selections. He's read them off over the radio dozens of times. And he's been right, I believe, 13 of 14, 14 of 15 times when he said you don't even have to watch it. That's what's going to happen. They're going to give Phoenix the game. This is what's going to happen. They're going to give Orlando the game. And when I watched it, it went down the way it, Timmy D the, said it was. These things look at me, but let me say something here. If... <laughs> If there is an NBA conspiracy theory, and, and I hear this all the time, and even in our own forums, guys talk, you know, NBA is fixed. You no, don't I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Anytime a game's been fixed, Marco, it comes out eventually right. because human beings don't know how to keep their mouths shut. Let me put it this way, in a nutshell. If the NBA is fixed, there's no way that the last round, three or four Series no, exactly. would have been sweet, exactly. and there's no way that LeBron James still would not be playing in, exactly. in the playoffs and at this or point. Or that they would have waited for Orlando to go down three nothing before they turn it around yeah. and have them win a series. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying, and I wrote a Morning Move newsletter on this exact topic, is there is some merit to what the man's saying that when a game is officiated so lopsided that the next game, if it's in the other team's arena, you gotta. Fast that into the books your handicap and, and say, you know what? I'll, I'll put it this way. Tonight, game five in LA, I don't think Phoenix goes to the line 42 times. No. Is what I'm trying to say. No. Absolutely. You know, I think that it, as it, a handicapper can help you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good luck, Tim. Tim, Great, you know. Call good me, luck, baby. Good luck with the book. I'm sure Call it's going to sell a while. I'll move the well. money. Call me. <laughs> He's Vegas runner. <laughs> I'm, Mar- I'm Marco D'Angelo. Hey, this has been another sports betting preview podcast from pregame.com. You can download and listen to all of our podcasts. Go to iTunes. Just search pregame.com. Welcome to This Week in Vegas, a better's view. I'm your host, Marco D'Angelo, joined by my partner in crime, Vegas runner, I don't know. I don't want this guy had for lunch today. But he <laughs> I'm in is, a good mood. Baby. He is wired I am. today. I'm in a great mood. And I've, I, this is like 12 hours after I've woke. What time is it now? Around 4 Yeah, it was about 4.30. I've been up 12, 13, 14 hours after working, and I'm in a great mood. You uh, look like you've been working on your tan. Thank That's you. what you've Savage. been working on. This is, this is this week in Vegas. I get excited just at the name. Right? So, <laughs> you are one sick puppy. Let's get on to it. All right. Let's get on to it. it it's. What well, yeah. kind of week? It's been a week. It's been it's been, been a roller coaster. It has. It has, Marco. Uh, I lost a big game. I lost. I, I stepped up after uh, losing a four star. I had already penciled in 
a five star for Sunday. So because I lost my four star, I wasn't going to back off. I'm a professional sports better. To me, I'm not going to let what happened one day, one week influence my, you know, my betting the next day. That's for amateurs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the truth. It is right. what it is. Or else you're just gambling, you're guessing, and in the long run, you're going to lose. So I can't let that affect me. On the flip side, I lost that next game on Sunday. Somehow, when the week was over, I turned, I came up units ahead, and I'm, you know, doing well overall for the year. But with that said, I've lost a couple big games as far as five stars go in a row, not counting futures, which I nailed, and you get better payout odds. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, when I've stepped up to make a five star, you know, straight bet, it hasn't gone my way, and. Unfortunately, too many bettors treat those big games, those five stars, those game of the years, the way I don't want them to. And it hurts me. It makes me, honestly, brings me to a point where I don't want to give them. But I, then I feel that the guys that I know who do read my morning moves, who do listen, you know, who do want to learn, who, who have taken my advice and do bet correctly and treat this like a business, I feel like I owe it to them that if I'm going to step up and I'm going to fire out of respect to these guys, I have to tell them I'm giving, a, I'm betting five units. I feel like, you know, I was cheating them if I didn't. I agree with you 100% in uh, Saturday I had a big play and uh, it was ugly. It couldn't have got any uglier. Um, Orlando laid an egg in Boston on Saturday. Game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. They got totally blown out. It was a situation that, you know, I felt Orlando was going to come to play. They had played well all year in Boston. They they won both games during the regular season in Boston. Down 2-0. Thought Boston would be overconfident. Uh, I was one game premature. Right. Um, obviously, you, we saw what happened in game, you know, four, and consequently afterwards in game five. But you know, the backlash sometimes when you lose a big game. First off, I'm you know, and I went in. I wasn't around Saturday night, you know, so people. They like to go into the forums and talk right after a game's done. And we do have, you know, we have normal lives too. We're handicappers and we live and breathe sports, but we do normal things too. And you also have a lot of other obligations, responsibilities as well. And you do a lot better job of it than I do. I'll admit that as far as being in the forums more than I am. And you have a lot of other things on your plate as well. And I agree with you 100%. It has nothing to do with not wanting to face the music or being upset. If anything, when, I like, when I'm like, when i mad, I go. I like to hang out with my friends. You know what I mean? I'm not the kind of one to go by myself and put a blanket over and stay pissed off. So I know, I know you're not like that either. But you're not always going to be in front of a computer, dude. You know, you're right. not always going to be at home watching a game. This right. is Vegas. We live Th- this in. is Vegas, and in you know, or, you know, recently I got married, and, I, and now I have a stepdaughter that I never had kids before. I. The, I took my stepdaughter, you know, you know, officially my stepdaughter, right, you know, sure. to been, you know, living with me for a little bit, but, you know, took her to a concert here in, in town on Saturday night, and you know, I'm, you know, doing something, you know, to me it's a business. I bet the game, whether I'm in front of the computer or I'm, you know, at a concert, I can't change the outcome of the game. Exactly. Okay, and you know. 
it's just to me, and I know you look at it this way, when we bet, it's like, for me anyways, it's like sitting at a poker table. You know, it's three units, three chips, four units, four chips, five, you know. I had my bet out there. The action's there. There's nothing I can do now to change it. The cards are going to fall where they fall. And then the next day, you go do your business again. I, you know, I learned a long time ago. And it's something that we preach and preach. And, you know, it sounds like lip service. But really, if you can't get past this hurdle, you've got no shot of being a professional sports better. I agree. If, if you do not, if you cannot learn how to lose... You will never no, learn no how chance. to win, no win successfully no because it's a mathematical certainty in this market, in this racket, you're going to have losing stretches no matter how good of a handicapper and professional sports better you become, no matter how efficient, no matter how high of a win percentage you have, you're going to have those stretches. That's a mathematical certainty. But more importantly, what I uh, people don't understand is games of the year are labels. They're labels that the industry has already established years before I got involved, possibly years before you got involved. Maybe not. You've been around longer than I have. And what they signify is that the handicapper loves this game. His work, his information, his sources have come to the conclusion that it's worth making a bigger bet than his regular bet. It has a higher percentage of probability. But as a professional better, you understand that it also has the possibility of losing. Even a 70% chance means it's going to lose 30% of the time. So you bet with that in the back of your head, even though none of us go in thinking we're going to lose. I never make a bet with the confidence that I can't lose right. because or else I'd be betting everything I own. Why right. wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to liquidate every asset I have and bet it to double my money? And unfortunately, too many bettors see that and they you know, believe that there's an air of certainty that isn't there. Yeah. If I'm going to make a five-unit bet, Marco, it's as strong as it gets for me. Right. And I'm going to hit it like a man. And I'm not saying that I, you know, because I might have more on it than, than a client of mine, it's more significant to me because he might only have a hundred bucks, but that hundred bucks might be a lot of money. To that hundred to him could be 3000 a year. Exactly. So I understand that part of it. it the, 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 the numerical value is, it means nothing, but what you need to understand is it's a unit size. That's it. Right. For me, it's five units. My best bet's three units. Every day, I'm a three-unit play. Just you have out. to be like a robot That's and be it. methodical. And I know when you make a game of the year, there's a unit amount. You know, I'm not. It's not anyone's business how much you bet. I know how much you bet. I've seen you bet, and I know when you have a big game, your massacre game, your game of the year, you bet a lot more. But still, it's in relation to your daily bets. Right. I never saw you. You know, bet a dime on a game and then go to the window and bet 30 dimes on another one. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's where people get in trouble. Yeah, it has a higher probability, like you said. And they should win more than they lose. But with that said... You're still going to lose. And if you don't approach it with that in the back of your head, you're going to lose your bankroll. And I can't help stop that from happening. And the last thing, and we got about 30 seconds here, I'll wrap it up. It doesn't matter... If you lose a game by a point 
or you lose it by 20 points. I, I, yeah. It just that, it, it drives me insane where somebody says, How could you make that call? Yeah, yeah. they lost you're by not even You're not even close. Yeah, what, 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 what does it, what does that, it matter? That's, that's you, you, you lost the bet. You know, whatever happened during the game, the team quit, whatever. You can't control that. Exactly. They fell behind exactly. in, the, in a score against thing. But if it's that closed-mindedness that prevents people from moving forward, and you know, but we're here to teach. I, I, and I we're here. No one wants them to win more than we do, dude. And, and if I, that's why I said, if if my games of the year are going to hurt people, I would rather never put one out again. But I feel an obligation to the guys that I know are doing this right. If you're betting it big, you got to tell them exactly. you're betting it big. Hey, this has been this week in Vegas. He's Vegas runner. Tank I'm Marco. Runner. <laughs> I'm Marco D'Angelo, the pale white guy. I guess <laughs> we'll be back next week. You can always download and listen. Uh, get check all of our podcasts out at iTunes. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, guys. Cash some tickets.